back to Providence Leftist Radio, where we seek to build a network in so-called Rhode Island and hopefully one day win local power. Uh, I'm Evan, fabulous Evan, here in the turtle shell to once again go over a film with a left-leaning plot instead of written theoretical work, which, if that's more your bag, is fine, and hopefully you're tuning in to the other half episodes done by Alex and Andy, who like reading a lot more than I do. Um, I have like, gnarly messed up vocal cords from some trauma, um, so I have a hard time talking, and my voice is gonna crack and stuff, so bear with me and follow along if you can. Everyone deserves to be able to be on the podcast, even if their voice sounds like garbage, uh, and I also have lung damage, so I run out of breath easily, but you get it, right? Um, So if you're here, you've clicked on the episode, and you know that I'm here to talk about A Bug's Life. I hadn't seen this probably since it came out, but I did remember liking it a lot. Uh, It's a good message for kids to learn young, especially as it pertains to the abstract concept of power, and is probably relatable in the context of doing work for someone bigger than you and not really understanding why. Uh, I was a teacher for 10 years, so that was something I had, like, huge, uh, conflict, like, internal conflict about. Uh, um, so anyway, this movie came out in 1998. Uh, 1998 was just an incredible year for movies. So many good ones came out. I was looking at the list and going like, ooh, oh, ah, because I just was reminded of so many good ones. SLC Punk, uh, both Deep Impact and Armageddon, basically the same movie. Uh, I personally prefer Deep Impact, but that's only because I hate Aerosmith. Uh, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, Half-Baked, The X-Files movie, and American History X. Those dope movies don't have anything in common, except that they're really good. Uh, Can't Hardly Wait, Enemy of the State. The First Rush Hour, The Big Lebowski, Run Lola Run, uh, Practical Magic, which is a favorite of mine, Mulan, and a ton of others. Uh, a Bug's Life was uh, number five on the list of highest grossing films of the year. Behind, there's something about Mary, Godzilla, Saving Private Ryan, and Armageddon, which brought in just a truly remarkable $553 million Uh which tells me that the potential end of the world is appealing to people, or it's at least a big draw. Um, could have been the zero gravity sex, I don't know. Anyway, uh, this movie was made by Disney slash Pixar, which is the animation studio of our childhood, you know, the little lamp guy. Uh, they also gave us Toy Story, Monsters, Inc., Finding Nemo, Up, The Incredibles, Ratatouille, Coco, And most recently, they came out with a movie um, called Soul, which we watched with the little one, and I I actually really enjoyed it. Um, But back on topic, uh, A Bug's Life was, I think, the second movie that the studio had ever made. And they're just just a wildly successful studio responsible for a shit ton of the best and highest grossing movies of all time. They have a ton of money. Which is one reason it's funny that this film got made. 
Uh, it's basically about class consciousness, which is a bit of a departure from the Greek fable on which it's based, The Ant and the Grasshopper, which is actually more of a morality tale about working hard, though there are a bunch of different versions. Um, overall, it's a story of an outcast named Flick, whose colony is being harassed by grasshoppers and forced into laboring for them until Flick finds a group of warrior bugs to help them fight off said grasshoppers. Um, I will try to be speedy about a more specific description. Um, the ants ritualistically spend all of the sunny season gathering enough food like berries and seeds and grain and stuff for themselves uh, to last through the rainy season during which they can't really go out. And I mean, you've seen ants dragging gigantic food like, it's backbreaking work, right? So, uh, the grasshoppers, which, by the way, the main one is voiced by real-life bad guy, Kevin Spacey, uh, which is very disappointing, but tis what it is. Uh, they intimidate them into securing enough food for them as well, for the grasshoppers. Um, Flick is kind of an innovative little dude and has worked up some kind of industrial-type contraption for more efficient harvesting. And the ant monarchy, uh, pretty cute, uh, and everyone else, they're pretty dismissive, but then the gizmo gets him into big trouble because uh, he accidentally knocks over the entire food store into a stream. I don't know why it was set up there in the first place, but, you know, you gotta have conflict in a movie. Uh, and uh-ohs are very entertaining. So anyway, uh, he knocks it over just as the grasshoppers are arriving, and it's not pretty. Threats are made, fear is instilled, the grasshoppers demand more food, and everyone is super pissed at Flick because now they have twice as much work to do in a fraction of the time. Um, at some kind of little council meeting, the queen and her underlings decide to send Flick on a futile mission just so he's like out of the way while they work and Flick can't tell that it's a trick and he's super hyped to travel and uh, he takes this mission on, goes to find these warrior bugs to help defend the colony from the grasshoppers and the warriors he finds uh, in this cute little town, this little bug town, are actually disgraced circus performers and their whole introductory introductory sequence really tickles my funny bone uh, highlights are David Hyde Pierce Niles from Frasier as the walking stick um, Dennis Leary tough guy playing a little ladybug could be some commentary on gender I don't know could be reading into that um, and then there's John Ranft Ranft as Heimlich, the kind of like thick German caterpillar. Just absolutely hysterical. So as circus bugs, they're not great in combat. So they and Flick, when they go back to the colony, they've got to convince, convince the ants that they really are warriors, which blows up spectacularly in their faces because, you know, secrets don't stay secrets, especially in a comedy movie. Um, but in the small time that they've already spent together, 
uh, in the colony, the circus bugs have grown pretty fond of the ants and vice versa, so they decide to stay on and help execute Flick's grand plan of building and operating a life-sized bird out of twigs and leaves to hopefully scare away the grasshoppers and free the ants from the tyranny. Uh, cute montage, togetherness, camaraderie on the assembly line, uh, and then there's the scene wherein we see the grasshoppers far away at their own little cantina under this like busted straw hat and the main dude's goofy and incompetent little bro voiced by the always excellent Richard Kind posits that they don't actually need to head back to the ant colony and he tries to get the boss on board but uh, Hopper, his name is Hopper, flips his shit because if they make allowances, the ants might realize they have strength and numbers and be able to fight back. He demonstrates this by literally burying his crew in a massive pile of seeds, which individually don't pose much of a threat, but all together overcome them easily. So naturally, this fake bird thing just fails completely after at first seeming like it's gonna work. Uh, simultaneously, the circus bugs are outed by their flea ringmaster, get it, flea circus, uh, who's been searching for them. And Hopper is now even more pissed that these plebeians would try to trick him to get out of service. He beats up Flick, grabs the elderly queen, and holds her hostage uh, to demand that the ants get back to work. And just as he launches into the speech about the lowliness of the little ants uh, that that ant consciousness kicks in and they all unite to overthrow their oppressor before he is eventually snapped up by a very real bird. The end of the movie is like a classic Disney depiction of a new and improved life. Uh, the ants are working together with mutual respect. Flick and the circus bugs are absolved of any wrongdoing, you know, no harm, no foul. Um, and as analysis goes, uh, Alex and I watched this together because I hadn't spent a ton of time obsessing over this movie like I did with Dirty Dancing, which was the last movie that I analyzed. Uh, and it was important to me to have another set of eyes with a brain attached that could point out things. Uh, I think most people would cite capitalism as the obvious comparison, but Alex pointed out actually that it's not really capitalism because there isn't any competition amongst the workers, which is true. And actually Marx would favor the individual, in this case Flick, who is innovative. Uh, but it is similar to a capitalist model because there are managers and overseers, you know, the grasshoppers, but they're also consumers. So it's not really capitalism. Actually, it's more like imperialism because there is a ruler using militaristic force to exert dominion over another territory. Uh, Alex actually likened it to the subjugation of Russia and mainland China by uh, Japan beginning in the late 17th century. So I looked into that and yeah, Japan, influenced by the West, waged a war in China and then was like, give us all your money, and then occupied and colonized a bunch of other territories to expand their rule. So it is similar. Um, other comparisons could be drawn to Great Britain and India, more specifically uh, the annual grain tax, like an actual grain tax, just like the ants, 
uh, imposed on Indian rulers by the British. So uh, the colonial allegory is pretty overt uh, in that, you know, there's a, a domination going on. Hopper even says, uh, you know, he says, you let one ant stand up to us and they might all stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure out that, uh, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. Okay, so the literal definition of colonialism is the forceful domination of a people through the establishment of colonies. So if we just replace the word people with ants, we've got the premise for this film. A mob of ants, I think, is already called a colony, you know? So, uh, and we know that a colony doesn't, by definition, self-rule, despite the movie's depiction of the little ant monarchy. But I think they're just trying to be clever because technically ants have queens and bees too, right? Uh, but... They're, they're controlled by a separate, stronger body. That's what a colony is. So this is why white people slash Europeans get called colonizers, because we historically and contemporarily, don't forget, dominate other populations and cultures with our weapons and our smallpox and stuff. Um, so what the hell was going on in the world that made the writer Andrew Stanton, who also did Wally, by the way, uh, write an anti-colonial script about bugs? You know, at in 1998, like other than just generally being on stolen, colonized indigenous land and having taken Puerto Rico and the Philippines and Guam from Spain a while back. Um, at that point, we were at the end of the Clinton administration before he got impeached for having sexual relations with an intern, speaking of abuse of power. Uh, we were all up in Iraq, had the Good Friday Agreement going on in Ireland. Uh, Google was founded that year. Exxon and Mobile merged, got married, whatever. Microsoft became the biggest company in the world. Uh, Green Day was in the charts, The Nanny was on TV, Nelson Mandela, Mandela was still alive, and I was eight, and just trying to see Kate Winslet's boobs on Titanic. Uh, now, the Soviet Union had fallen less than a decade earlier, and Clinton, when he wasn't having unfair and inappropriate relationships with people who answered to him, developed a strategy of American leadership in foreign nations as a response uh, this was known as uh, the Clinton Intervention. You can find out more of that on our old pal Google. Especially relevant. Uh, so that's going on as A Bug's Life is being thought up and produced. There was an article written in 2014 in the Princeton Buffer by a, um, well, at least at this point, they were a um, PhD student, I think, in economics. Parth Parhar um, wrote this article, A Bug's Life Colonial Allegory. And this person had to say, quote, while this strategic vision largely predicated on the American ideals of democracy and free market capitalism warned against overreaching, it also espoused expanding the scope of American influence through virtual economic hegemony. I had to look up just about every one of those words and I think that that 
sentence means that the system, based heavily on supply and demand, uh, was hoped to become kind of the norm. And based on that, the movie could conceivably have been written in opposition to that idea, kind of idealizing the individualist flick and this, like, ant uprising. That was, of course, pre-9-11, so the national attitude wouldn't continue to align with the leftist themes of that movie. Uh, you know, we had our pretty immediate invasion overseas following 9-11. So yesterday, as I was writing these notes and prepping for this episode, Joe Biden was being sworn in as the 46th president of the U.S., um, elected on a platform of unity and togetherness and rejecting hate as it had been modeled for us by Trump and his supporters. We know that the last year's highlights included you know, the big one, the pandemic, and all the bullshit that came along with it. Um, A bit of civil unrest, murders committed by police against mostly black people, Uh, the detention, the continued detention and deportation of asylum seekers, Um, an an incredibly deadly year for black trans women, etc. So I don't, or I wonder what a new bug movie would look like you know a bug's life never got a sequel which is pretty unusual for successful movies or even unsuccessful movies if we're real about it so i'm I'm wondering what would be going down in today's a bug's life um probably kevin spacey would not be involved uh cast wise i'm imagining people like donald glover maybe laverne cox Pedro Pascal from The Mandalorian. Uh, Keegan Michael Key would be hilarious. Uh, probably like Zendaya, you know, some somebody from the youth to, to draw in the, that young crowd. Uh, if you have thoughts or suggestions on casting and plot for the unlicensed woke new version of A Bug's Life, please DM me at PLRPod on Instagram. And And tune in every week for a new episode, whether it's a group chat or a mini episode like this one. We have a ton of awesome folks from local organizations slated to join us over the next few months. You're not going to want to miss that. And then get your PayPal passwords ready for when we get our shit together with the Patreon so we can provide for those awesome guests. And uh, and be cool, y'all. All right. Peace and chicken grease.